0: That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. ba 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 Anyway, she goes to bed. I open up a box out of barbers. I light up. I call myself a cognac and i watch the 14 fists of my class what a picture
1: your homie Is that my briefcase
0: and start asking the right fucking questions
2: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen welcome to Roman rant i'm your host blake howard thank you so much again for being a great supporter of one hit minute productions on patreon uh but This one is both for you and for everyone, because it's a special day. It's the 4th of July and just so perfectly today. I'm going to talk about, I think one of my favorite Australian directors ever. And one of my favorite people ever and a movie that is so flagrantly before it's time and flagrantly misunderstood at the time that it took almost a decade for a lot of people, um, and, and. The great person who I'm talking to right now, writing about it, uh, being one person that's written about it and many others that have said, actually, this thing wasn't ahead of its time. It was fucking right on time. So firstly, here is one of the greatest film critics in the world. One of my dear friends, Roxanne Haddadi. Hello. That,
3: hello. That is so, that is very nice and untrue, but I'll take it. Thank Not you. Not
2: untrue, completely true. And we're here to talk about Andrew Dominick's. Killing Them Softly from 2012, a movie that says to conclude, <laughs> America's a business. Fucking pay me on, fucking pay me on the Fourth of July. It is Independence Day. Let's go. Why do yeah. we need to talk about this movie still? And it's a, it's a masterpiece, and I'm so glad that you wanted to talk about it.
3: Hundred percent a masterpiece. Perfect to talk about it today on a fuck yeah America Day, when really it should be a fuck America Day. <laughs> so I think it makes sense thematically and yeah I mean I'm really fascinated by killing them softly as you said now a decade later because first of all I mean the state of film criticism now is that you do reassess things constantly right I mean we the cynical way to look at that is that we're always looking for content so there's always something that you could write about but I think the more realistic way to look at a movie like Killing Them Softly is when something feels so reviled when it's released I think it then invites a reassessment automatically because I think you're trying to figure out like what didn't people like about this yes and why and I think Killing Them Softly is so fascinating because it did come out in this time when I think we were trying to be hopeful you know, like it was the second Obama term. I think people still thought that maybe things could change a little bit, and <laughs> yes. the country could get a little bit better. Um, and I think you know, this movie that comes out of nowhere, sort of, and has the gumption to say, actually, nothing's going to change ever, yeah. and things are always going to be like this. I think it, you know, it rankled people. I get. I get that initial dislike, but I think more and more now, two presidents later, and (laughs) with, I will say this, with what feels like very tangible, very little tangible positive impact for like the everyman living in America. Yeah. I think killing them softly still feels incredibly resonant. And I don't want to say, you know, well, whatever, screw it. I, I am not a Biden person. I wasn't, and I'm not still really. And one of the things that I think about now that we're, you know, a few months into his presidency is like how swiftly the promises that were made were not enacted, right? We don't have a higher minimum wage. We don't have Medicare for all. Student loans didn't get forgiven. So, like, all of these things that we keep telling ourselves, like, well, we'll vote the right guy in charge, and these things will change. I think that we keep convincing ourselves that this is going to happen, and when it doesn't, for some reason, we just think, like, well, maybe it'll be the next guy it's never going to be the next guy <laughs> right like it, it's it, not going to be the next guy it's not, not going to happen at least not as the political system that i see us being in is what we're going to be in right so now to have biden who was obama's vp sort of enacting the same tenor and cadence and language and it just feels like watching the end of killing them softly again and like listening to obama's acceptance speech and the triumph of that and the hope of that and remembering that none of that shit happened (laughs) yeah this guy
2: this guy fucking makes me laugh i think i think this movie was right on the cusp of what happens which is like there seems to be these overwhelming reactions to movies these days and it feels like 2012 was like a turning point and especially in the in the post-marvel world there was just like there's a marvel movie that comes out and there's a race to be the most diffusive about it there's the race to be the most biting and satirical about it and then there's just a pile-on right like so if things are good like decent in those films, like people are like, oh, it's the best ever and this and that. And like that, there's like pull quote culture. And this movie, I think people completely missed the point of what Dominic was doing in 2012 and 2011, largely when the movie's being made. It's like we were in the fucking thick of the GFC, whether or not that was Obama's problem or not. But it was like, we're in the thick of the GFC. People have never been poorer. People have never been more despondent internationally around like what the hell is this entire capitalist system we've built up and people saw the use of those things, which are yes, obvious, but I fuck, you know, fuck, fuck people who criticize obvious, I give me some obvious, right? I love the rat at the end of the part and all you guys can get fucked. Okay. If you're you're listening to this, it's like, this is me. Right. But I, I, he's using it with such power and intent He's because exactly as you said, we are in the thick of the shit, nothing has changed. Do you think that some people weren't already cynical about this? And, and I think it's really, it might be interesting for some people who are listening outside of Oz, and I know that you would probably have a bit more of your finger on the pulse here, but in Australia, we had this spill culture emerge. And what that basically means was that your you could be elected prime minister of this country and your party could vote internally. It would be like say the Republicans or the Democrats voting to say Trump is not a fit leader anymore and changing him midterm. No votes, nothing. Not, not all just behind closed doors in a party room. So we had the, one of our prime ministers get ousted by a VP, which created our first female prime minister. And then there was another spill when they came to the next election and she got ousted by the guy she ousted. And then the next parties came in and they're like, huh, that previous party, we won't do that. And then they did that in their own parties. And so there just became this cycle of new faced, useless misogynistic white guys for mm-hmm. the most part, um, in mm-hmm. the liberal government in this country who just were like a dime a dozen. Like there was a time where the guy who's the current prime minister of Australia, who's actually made a bit more of a name for himself these days. But at the time when Scott Morrison, who's our current prime minister, became the prime minister, there were people like, they would Vox, the media's like Vox popping in the streets. Like, do you know this guy? And they're like, what's his name, Stan? What? Like, like no one knew who this guy is. And so what happened is Australia is even more hyper apathetic. Even though like mm-hmm. our whole country is like baying for cops. Maybe it's because we're co- we've been colonized and we're a penal colony or whatever, but people just like want to see tanks in the streets, martial law. I think heaps of more people would be comfortable. Like we just love a cop in this country. And mm-hmm. so it's just these white guys and this next suit who's out there with his little catchphrase and then everyone's like, who gives a shit? They don't do anything. We're kind of bought and paid for as long as no one bothers me, I'm fine. But I feel like. That Andrew Dominic satire and apathy is something that like is really relatable to people like you and I in this country, because it's like, they just keep voting in these guys that have got questionable backgrounds and do questionable shit. And we just keep, keeps piling it on and nothing seems to change except wealthy people stay wealthy and the, the lower, especially the lower middle classes. And when you move away from these like ultra ritzy places. There are people living real lives, like m- huge amounts of ethnicities in th- that are unrepresented in our media, unrepresented in our political culture. And so when you get into the working class struggle of this movie and you see that like gangsters have also got their own working class shit butting up against faceless corporate middlemen, it's like, oh, isn't that a relief? Fuck you, pay yeah. me. That's what yep. I want. That's what I want to say. And he's saying yeah. it so mm-hmm. good. So good. Well,
3: I think it also, it's like there very much is this sort of like subgenre in TV and film that sort of dares to ask these questions, right? I mean, like Fargo season two does this really well because
0: Brilliant. you have
3: the idea of like this criminal family that's been a criminal family for so long and they've run this town with a very tight fist and all of a sudden there's this like criminal organization and I love the difference between those two concepts, right? Yes. Like. The idea of a family and like you probably, if you are under their control, probably know all of them and know their personalities and how volatile some of them can be and how calculating the other people can be like any family. And then you have an organization and a criminal organization is a whole other different thing. Yeah. It's an office. It's a it's a dress code, right? Oh. It's, it's nine to five. It's it's job. And-
2: it's HR, yeah. Human Resources, yes. who yes. are not a union. They're employed by the company to save their yeah. ass. Just... Yeah.
3: Shout out shout out to everyone who thinks <laughs> HR works for you. They do not. Just they a... work for the company. They work for the company. Yeah. So, like, I love that the end of Fargo Season 2 has this enforcer, right, who Mike Milligan, right? Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, I think so. But, yeah, so, like, has this enforcer who, like, is amazing right he is like the outlaw that you want to see who is like enacting vigilante justice and they put him in an office right and so i think it's one of those things where we're seeing that happen it's this it's season two of the wire it's hell or high water it's all of these films and tv shows that dare to address like you said what is the working class struggle in this country and how do you see it play out in every single industry yes every like it doesn't matter what you're doing or what your job is it's happening and again to like ground this in real life and right now we had a terrible heat wave in the pacific northwest this past week a lot of people died including a farm worker Which brought to light, which I think some people don't know because education in this country is not great, that like farm workers, agricultural workers are not protected by labor laws. So, like, children as young as 12 and people as old as 70 can work in the fields, and they do. And like, so much of the produce in our country is picked by migrant workers who are children and senior citizens. Labor law does not protect them in terms of breaks or water, or shelter, and the Supreme Court just decided, right, that now labor organizers, union organizers, cannot come to farms or property to to get people to join their union, because that is trespassing, and you are trespassing on the private property that is owned by the farm, and the Supreme Court said that people can't do that anymore. So, like, this is what we're dealing with in this country, right? You have a complicit, anti-worker anti-union supreme court fashioned by donald trump and his cronies and you have this general idea that like well americans don't need help right like we'll just do the work like we don't need help (laughs) and it's just it's this kind of mentality that is like crippling this country and hurting the average person and again like what has changed very little things are actively getting worse so in that way like you said like yes killing them softly feels obvious but it also feels like i watch it and i'm like fuck yeah yes (laughs) thank you Like thank you for taking my concerns and my anger and delivering them in a film that is incredibly stylish very beautifully shot agreeably bleak and has like an array of fantastic performances, right? You have yeah. Scoot McNary, great. Scoot's always great. Scoot's always Ben great. Ben Mendelssohn at his wettest. He is so I, wet in this movie. Like
2: <laughs> I, I I've got like a little tale. It's like I met Andrew Dominic and Ben Mendelssohn on the publicity circuit of this movie. Okay, got I to need ch- the story. Tell I got, me everything. I got, I got to chat to them. Andrew Dominic, he's some folks don't know, but like he's hard of hearing in one ear. So like when you're talking to him, you kind of have to be on his good side when you're talking to them. And I was talking to them just like gushing about, I'm like, this is one of the most experiential junky movies. Like this movie has so much about perspectives and deliberate, you know, when you see Brad Pitt's Jackie, he's so like deliberate. He, you know, he, he's comes in on that beautiful Johnny Cash cover. Like, it's just as good as it, it's as good as it gets. Right. But he's so deliberate and then you get scoot and his is the more wiry And like, you know, like, a very kind of, um, a perspective that has quite a lot of ticks and then you like dive into Russell into Mendo right into his head when he's like humming in and out of consciousness yeah. and, and I'm like, and I just gushed about it. I was just like, I, I, I was trying to get them to explain to me I'm like, explain to me like how, how you kind of came to that approach of like really adopting character perspectives and things like that um so that was a lot of fun to talk to them and i was like and i talked to mendo i'm like how cool is it to be in this working class movie where you don't have to do a fucking accent and you get to be your true like if you've never seen mendo talk in his accent just like at a q a or whatever you will never understand how fucking charming this guy is like he will charm your socks off and so to yes. see him even he's moistest and most soiled it's disgusting he's like like, you need like a like a some kind of detergent to cut through whatever industrial
3: (laughs) industrial (laughs) strength power wash put my man through a car wash like that's what he needs
2: (laughs) he's it's absolutely horrendous but i just remember like talking to them about that and so it was a good chat. And then I actually said to Mendo, because it was at the time the Dark Knight Rises was coming out, I just like sort of went up to him and I was like, um, Ben, just one last question. Could you understand anything that Tom Hardy was saying? And he, and he goes, he just smiled at me and he goes, I'm going to let that one go through the keepers, mate. And he gave me a hug and then I left. But like, and he wasn't surprisingly, he was not as soiled as his character. But oh, that's um, good. That was good. But like, that's what I really got from Dominic. Like when I first saw this movie, much in the same way, when I saw Cuaron's, um Children of Men, I <laughs> was just like, there are two guys here who like a lot of people gush about, oh, this guy's doing a Kubrick thing or this guy's doing a Kubrick thing. And I'm like, you know what, these other disciples who are not as you know, gushy about their influences. Just have seemed to have adopted these Kubrickian elements in the way they shoot their movies, and I was just kind of shocked at how both of those movies began and sort of set their tone and had a had a look. Um, so yeah, I just I, I, I just love that that eclectic thing and as speaking as an Australian, I'm so sick of generic Australian, Australians doing generic accents. I'm like, there can be Australians in the world as I'm sure you've said so many times, like there can be, you know, there can be people from the middle East and they don't have to do a dumb accent or they don't have to put on like some stupid parochial, really offensive, dumb accent. They can be like you and I, and just have the accents of the country that they live in on screen. Isn't that fun? Can't we do that?
3: And like nobody, what I love too about the movie is that like I don't think anybody even raises a point about it, right? Nobody's like, "What's this Australian guy doing in this generic <laughs> American town?" Nobody cares no, because that, it doesn't because it doesn't matter in terms of like the film that they're telling. And in fact, I could even argue that it's beneficial to have an immigrant in this story to further ground the fact that like everybody here is struggling and everybody is trying to come up with some kind of like get rich quick scheme to go up against the the worst
2: can we just say russell's scheme and his mate the The worst worst. it's the
3: worst it's so stupid seven dogs dogs. dogs. right
2: driving them over the border yes it's it's lunacy it's
3: it's incredibly (laughs) dumb it's like a (laughs) worse version of the seven psychopaths scheme which is also about kidnapping dogs and like ransoming them for money. So like just uh, a very dumb, a very really dumb. dumb setup. Yeah. Really dumb. But yeah, but like, so you have Mendo and you have Scoot and they're just playing these average guys who are just trying to figure out how to get ahead. And something that I love about that characterization is obviously, like you said, like Russell, Ben Mendelssohn is just sort of this like, junkie sort of floating from scheme to scheme yeah he doesn't care about anything i would think he probably is the character in this movie who like cares least about what happens to him i think whereas you have scoot and scoot's character is so desperate to not go back to prison yeah but he also doesn't know what to do with the limitations he's been given. And so I love that scene where he's talking to Squirrel, right? He's talking to the guy that is coming up with this idea that they should rob Ray Liotta's poker game. And he says like, you know, I can't get a job because I can't can't afford a car, but my parole officer just tells me to like get a job and take the bus. But what job is there that I could take the bus for two hours to get there that would be worth my time? and so it's like you're going up against all of these obstacles that we see in this country and in so many countries in terms of like how can you be like a working class person with dignity right like how can you best use your time and the suggestion is always like we'll take public transportation cool public transportation is great it also takes forever and if we're talking about like is it worth you going to a job that maybe pays you seven dollars an hour for a couple of hours when you have to commute a couple of hours each way so like all of these questions about like how and, do and it you costs live? you seven
2: and it costs you seven dollars each way so you're right, going like there for how like... do
3: you live yeah. yeah yeah so i love that scoot has this you know mini speech where he tells squirrel like it's getting cold I might just go back to prison because prison will take better care of me than I can take care of myself on the outside. And there's something about that that is both incredibly depressing and very familiar if you've ever seen like the Shawshank Redemption, right? (laughs) You have like the reality also of this country is that like if you spend the majority of your life in prison and the prison system here sucks, obviously run by private corporations who don't give a shit about anything but the bottom line, but if you have been housed and fed and then you're let out into a society that doesn't want to help house and feed you, of course, going back to prison would be a valid option. It's,
2: it's, it's no, it's, if we're talking, we started out talking about negotiating. That yeah. is the option. Like, it's like, yeah. what do I do? I can't get a job that's going to feed and clothe me. And, you know, even in places like Sydney, Um, In the suburb that I live in, like my old, there was an old job that I had where I could catch a bus to get to this place. And the bus was an hour and 45 minutes Mm -hmm. each way. If I made the times right and there wasn't much traffic Mm or the option is to drive 40 minutes or the options to drive 15 minutes to a train and then catch a train that takes 35 to 40 minutes. And you're like... If anyone has the choice, they're going to say, I want the time to be with my family. And so like, and this is the other thing, someone's in prison, they've got a family, like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to live? And I think this movie is in touch with that on, 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 on a level that, you know, it's funny and like a little gangster picture, but they're in it. And one thing that I want to talk about too, is Ray Liotta plays um, Marky Trapman. A tragic character, truly so tragic. So
3: tragic, it actually makes me really sad.
2: It, yeah, completely sad. What is so sad about the character is that his friends basically let him steal from them and let yeah. him get away with it because it's like, huh? He outsmarted us. You know, fool me once, shame he on got me. Got
3: one on us. He got one on us. We got all on like us. him.
2: We like right. him, right. and we don't begrudge someone for finding an angle. In whatever their business is. Right.
3: Everyone here is working an angle. Marky worked an angle on us. We'll let him get away with it this one time. Yeah.
2: And what's so deeply tragic is like, uh, this is what's so great about Jackie. He's like, it doesn't matter that he didn't do it. It matters that the angle's still there. Yeah. And, and all these guys, when they are being robbed and that's another brilliant touch for mendo not saying a thing in their little robbery because obviously it would be the biggest dead giveaway it's just such a good touch to use it have a completely silent guy in there so it's kind of classic but also got a beautiful little twist but it's like every guy around that table that is now dishing out their money to these robbers is looking at marky like you motherfucker, like you yeah. did this and even if he didn't and even if they can later come to that it's like It's, it's just like, everyone's got to work the angle and you know what? It doesn't matter if you didn't do this fuck up, but eventually it's coming round, like if you're going to work the angle on the people that are close to you, it's going to come round. And so even when prison doesn't get you, like the protections of your community that are all working these angles, if you step on the wrong side of it, they're not going to get you either. And who, and the cops aren't there to protect him. No one's there to protect him. His community's there. And as soon as that's it, you're cooked. Like that's where, you, that's what this world is. The The reality is harsh and it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Um, but yeah, he's just, I, I remember, and that, I think that that was another thing. I talked to Andrew Dominic. I talked about like the sheer brutality of this and this scene and taking it to a new level. I was like, you had to have in your mind, the level of brutality that Ray Liotta dishes out in Goodfellas and we had a little bit of a chat about that. I was like, one of the most brutal scenes I've ever seen is Ray Liotta taking the butt of his gun to a guy's face right in front of <laughs> Karen, right in front of Karen, like straight across the street. And I'm like, <laughs> and you basically did that to him, but like times 10. And he's like, yeah, like that was, you know, something that we talked about and had an influence on and I love Ray and yeah, it just felt like it had a little bit of symmetry with v- movie violence in the past that he was the recipient of it as opposed to the person that was dishing it out.
3: Yeah, I think there's so much that I love about that. So to back up, hopefully you've watched this movie if you're listening to us talk about it. <laughs> but the, the general the general plot, just to give like a very sketchy outline, is that um, Scoot, McNary, and Ben Mendelsohn's characters are like low-level criminals living in this unnamed town in the U.S. And there is a mob presence in this town. And Ray Liotta plays this guy, Marky, who runs all the mobs' card games. So it is a constant flow of income for the mob that people trust Marky, play at his games, and the money flows upward. So one time a few years ago, as Blake just explained, Marky ripped off the game. Everybody forgave him because Marky's great. We love Marky. Ray Liotta's piercing blue eyes, like, etc. And then (laughs) Scoot and Ben's characters come up with this idea that they're going to rob the card game. And naturally everybody will think that it's Marky. And so when they pull this off is when the mob then gets involved. And Richard Jenkins, who is the middleman between the mob and the criminals and this town calls in Brad Pitt's assassin character, Jackie. And Jackie's job is to restore order And like Blake just said, it sort of doesn't matter who actually pulled off the card game. It doesn't matter if it really was Marky. The mob wants everybody dead. So in that way, it matters that there needs to be a punishment for this. But really, it's more about eliminating the threat versus recouping the money. They just want somebody, they want a head to roll so that people trust the system and buy back into the card games and flow their money back into the system. So very much a stand-in for the American economy (laughs) and the recession (laughs) and the idea that somebody, quote-unquote, somebody needed to be punished for the recession so that Americans could then trust in the system buy houses again, spend money again, flow their money into the system again. And throughout the movie, because this is set in 2008, you do hear people on the radio listening to news coverage about the recession from Bush, from Obama, who is on the campaign trail. And you get sort of these snatches of commentary about what America is going to do to make things better. So all of those things are sort of speaking to each other in this portrait of a small town gangster scene that has echoes of a larger America. So amidst all that, I think what Dominic was doing and what Blake has talked about is like he's trying to make things as brutal as possible to prove a point. And when I was writing my essay about this for the uh, Oscilloscope Labs blog Musings. I found this interview that Dominic did with the New York Times uh, when the movie came out and forgive me if you know this already, Blake, but his quote was, you see fight scenes a lot in movies but you don't see people systematically beating somebody else. The idea was just to make it really, really ugly. And in terms of how they pulled it off with like sound design, so they used a squeegee across a windshield to make the sound of his body like sliding across the car as they beat the shit out of him and they also used flash bulbs as they were throwing the punches so that you have that sort of like sparkly sound effect when they're beating the shit out of him so i appreciated how much care went into this scene of him just being brutalized brutalized yeah brutalized and then later on again we get a lot of care put into the scene where brad pitt murders him because you do have the very slowed down scene and we follow the bullet from brad pitt's gun going into the car killing marky we see the glass shattering right in very slow motion and so again we're getting a lot of these like really beautiful artistic aesthetic touches to a story that is fundamentally super (laughs) ugly and if like if that dichotomy is like your jam then you'll very much be down for it which both (laughs) of us were um but, but it's super it's super intentional right to sort of make this both really ugly and really beautiful and like you said be shifting perspectives all the time all the time to figure out like how do the people on the ground like how do Scoot and Ben's characters view the mob infrastructure that they're pulling off and then how do you have the mob infrastructure view these people and I think we do get both sides of that conversation right and then you have
2: and we have the the tweak right we have the middle ground because this is what I was going to say it's like a contractor and a freelancer almost having a yeah. conversation when you see Jackie's assassin talking to James Gandolfini's Mickey, another assassin who end up having this like talking shop where they're both, they're both, their approaches are laid bare to us. Right. So you get these weird Mm -hmm. things and, and Jackie's so straight down the line. He's like, can you just stop making a mess? Like this is just more mess, more complication. And, and Mickey's almost like, this is a work perk. What are you talking about? I can do whatever I want. And so it's this weird thing of like different, it is such a different work life uh, you know you're kind of like working integrity ethos but spelled out you know these are the kind of conversations i've had in a corporate environment but it's like but it's not it's it's not about having prostitutes in your hotel room and getting completely drunk right. but right. It, but it's all the same shit it's all the same and shit
3: it's all it's all based on their names right yeah. so yeah. like jackie recommends gandolfini to come in Yes. Because we only we have Sam Sheck we have Sam Shepard for a second,
1: <laughs> yes,
3: play an assassin who then like dies and is wiped off the board. So Brad Pitt invites in James Gandolfini's Mickey, who and I love I love this I love their scenes together, because. Uh, shout out to Angelica Bade-Bastien who is like the absolute best and she wrote a list for Vulture last year about Brad Pitt's best performances like ranking each of his movies and what she said in Killing Them Softly which is so true is that Brad Pitt is very still in this movie but when he is interacting with Gandolfini you finally get the sense of like who this man is and Pitt plays those interactions so differently like his facade of being this like very cool guy is starting to crack when he sees how Gandolfini's Mickey is just so unprofessional, right? <laughs> he's so then he's you get the, the, the sense, biggest
2: mess.
1: He's the, yeah, biggest he's such
3: mess. a mess. So then you get the sense that like pits Mickey actually cares about his job and about his
1: bet. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at bet MGM, simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not
0: available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause and Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just 2 months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich.
3: Right, so I just I love that scene in the hotel as you mentioned where Brad Pitt is like, they're prostitutes and drugs and like you haven't done the job that you were hired for. Like, what the fuck are you doing here, man? Like, I referred you for this job. <laughs> so I I love I love that scene and like, the very almost like subdued chaotic energy that Gandolfini brings, and then again like you said in terms of working angles. Then Pitt betrays him, right?
2: Rocks, Pitt sets I'm, him up. I gotta tell you a story. I think enough time. Oh, has, uh, enough time has tell passed.
3: Me. Tell me.
2: I recommended my cousin for a job in a company I was working for.
1: <laughs> my okay, cousin, tell me. My cousin.
2: Look, he's shall we say he's slightly less reliable than me, mm. and um, does have a penchant for uh chasing tail and maybe partaking. <laughs> oh in
3: no illegal
2: substances and and i thought no he was he seemed to be cleaning up and i got him a gig and he literally turned up for four days and then left and never called back like nothing and then people like so the last thing you want to do when you recommend someone a job is actually partake in any any of the work that they're doing. You don't want to be around yeah. it. Like um, if it's your company and they're like an apprentice or whatever, I get it, or they work their partner and you're helping coach them, or whatever, you you need to be involved. But I was like, yeah, I'm just giving you an, I know there's a job, I know you need a job, here's a job and I'm going to walk away. And then I had like his boss and stuff like, hey, I've tried to call your cousin, he hasn't turned <gasps> up and he won't answer his phone. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, Look, I haven't heard from him. He must, he might be sick or something. I'm not sure, like I'll, I'll see if he can reach out. And then I, I remember just like running onto my lunch break and I was like, dude, what are you doing? Well, I think I, this, and he's like, it's like, this is his exact quote was like, yeah, I'm not coming back. <gasps> and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, so can you call them and tell them?" He's like, oh yeah.
1: Oh I, my God.
2: <laughs> and so this, this movie scene, when I was watching it again, I was just like, I know exactly how Brad Pitt feels because you're yeah. the professional one and you've made the recommendation. And even though this is like, obviously everything in this movie has this beautiful controlled way to make something like exponential, like to, to just layer up things. And it's so controlled, but at the. At the center, at the elemental level of every one of these scenes are these deeply relatable scenarios. And, and so like, I'm watching this and I'm like, huh, oh, this is like when I recommended my cousin for that job and the dipstick <laughs> just decided he wasn't gonna fucking turn <laughs> up and then I got grilled and then I was like, well, that you just never, never recommend anyone for a job again. Yeah, like,
3: Never gonna put my neck out again. Never gonna put right? my neck out again.
2: And no. so, and so that's, there's just something beautiful. And then also it, watching an assassin like Jackie then have to navigate the bullshit of talking to corporate of like I'm sorry I don't know like
3: yeah I don't know what to say man I'll I'll clean it up I guess the mundanity of this right it's just so mundane and there is something comforting about that right that like (laughs) these people who theoretically have I, I mean you could disagree or agree or whatever but like A job that we as like a pop culture society consider cool right like assassins (laughs) are always pretty cool in movies yeah pretty cool um and he also has to deal with the fact that like oh yeah the dude i recommended for the job is fucking up so i guess i'll take over my bad like i love that i love how mundane that is and then to your point of how relatable these scenes are i then really love i mean i love everything about this movie obviously but i really love the Brad Pitt Scoot McNary conversation in the bar. Mm. So, like at this point, like gandolfini's assassin character has fucked up. Brad Pitt has told corporate, all right, I'll do the job for you guys. Pay me a certain amount, pay me fifteen thousand for each kill, and I'll do the job for you. And they say, sure, go ahead. We need to clean this up. The money needs to flow. Go for it, right? So, Brad Pitt double-crosses Gandolfini's assassin, calls the cops on him, gets him arrested. Mm-hmm. He figures out Ben Mendelssohn having a certain amount of heroin, right? So, somehow, they engineer Mendelssohn also getting arrested, being wiped off the board. And then that leaves Scoot McNary. And as we've talked about, I also think, I mean... Sometimes I can't decide who's more tragic because I think Ray Liotta sort of Marky sort of made his bed, but I think Scoot McNary's character is also incredibly tragic. And I think I, Dominic has some I, I, fondness I wanna, for him.
2: I want to say that Scoot's the more tragic because Marky, yeah. you know, speaking of fatalism and this is, you know, game recognized game. You and I watching Marky, it's like, he's made his bed. Like the minute yeah. those guys walk in with guns, he knows he's dead. That's what's so great about this movie is that you only have to look at his magnetic eyes and the wheels, not just turning, Turning. but fucking at 5,000 RPM behind his eyes spinning going, oh shit, I'm dead. I'm dead. And he's looking at the, he's looking at the, the, the kind of accusations the 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 air of the room is accusatory going you're guilty regardless you know of what's happening and so when i think of scoot this is a guy who's just like he's had one leg up from one wily opportunistic douche who's in this community and he feels like oh this is another leg up someone with some further reputation high a bit more of a player wants my help wants to enlist me wants to get me out of this trouble and it's just that he's the actual character that has hope and of course andrew dominic wants to strangle him
3: yeah (laughs) yeah right yeah yeah Yeah. i mean his opening scene when he's like walking through that tunnel so the opening of this movie is a banger right because you've scoot walking through looks like a tunnel in like an abandoned factory or like outside of an abandoned factory um with snatches of one of obama's speeches playing and then he ends up in front of a flapping American flag. I think either it's an American flag or it is a billboard with Obama on one side and McCain on the other. I think either way, it's a very like America background um, in front of scoot who just cannot catch a break whatsoever. And so, you know, when scoot ends up being one of the only players left on the board, brad pitt moves through him to get to squirrel which is the guy who thought of the scheme to begin with but they have this conversation in this bar in which brad pitt basically asks him like do you actually think that you're made out for this kind of life and it is so direct and accusatory (laughs) and also really petty and I love how petty Jackie is as a character, right? Because yeah. he's basically telling Scoot that he doesn't have what it takes. Yeah. Him right? That, and having he... the
2: conversation with you is like, do you, like, that's the thing. Jackie is like nakedly candid. I love yeah. candor like that. Like, do yeah. you even know what you're doing? Like, you don't even, Um, there's like stupid old corporate language that to describe this, but I like it, which is like, in a lot of corporate landscapes there are sheep who follow leaders who are good and if you have a good leader you can kind of be protected but most people are foxes like they'll just cut your throat because they're individualistic mm-hmm. and then there's another animal that occupies the corporate landscape which is a donkey who doesn't even know that there are any other fucking animals around oh, <laughs> and it's no. like and it's like whatever you do don't be a donkey and if you're a yeah. fox If you're a fox, you just have to know the game that you're playing because you're not, there's not going to be people to protect you. It's a very individualistic thing. Or if there's a really regimented authoritarian sort of leader process, like they might have a little gaggle of foxes, if you like, that are just out there being feral, cutting each other's throats to get results. It's just mm-hmm. like, don't be a donkey. And that I, I genuinely feel that like animalistic, like predatory energy there with Jackie, it's like a lion is walking up and having a chat at a bar with a gazelle and it's like, what yeah. the fuck are you even doing here? Like, yeah, I can smell that you're going to get eaten and you don't know, like, yeah. you don't know that I'm a predator. And so I feel like that energy's there. So it it just, that's for me is as soon as he sidles up to him, he just like takes his scent and it's like, you're, what are you even doing here? Like you're so vulnerable. Um, Who
3: let you in? (laughs) (laughs) Who allowed you in? Someone check this guy's
2: ID before he Like
3: what is happening here? And the other thing is just that like, I mean, I, as you know, I adore Brad Pitt in like Mm. pretty much every way, like whatever i can't talk about it. it makes me too flustered but i feel like he i feel like dominic has gotten the best performances oh, yeah. from him mm. save for like ad astra and fight club mm. just because it feels like what he is doing here as jackie is so similar to what he does as jesse james when facing off against casey affleck right yeah. because Casey Affleck also in the assassination of Jesse James is playing this character who is sort of like enthralled by Jesse James but also covets like the fame and attention that he has and Brad Pitt's character Brad Pitt's performance at first feels like swatting a fly off of like a lion like who the mm. fuck are you like I don't want to take you seriously like what what are you doing here
2: I, I love that Brad Pitt performance with Casey Affleck because And it's just, this is Dominic's great way of like manipulating perspectives because he's idolizes him. And you feel like you're going to walk up to this Western matinee idol. And he's like, oh no, he's all crude and shit. And
3: you're like, and you're like, yeah,
2: you're gross.
3: Yes. And and, and, so hot, but very, gross, incredibly hot. hot. It's incredibly hot. Yeah. And
2: I, I, you know. I like smoking in movies. And so when he's got a cigarette in his mouth as Jackie driving that car, listening to Johnny cash, look, I'm, I'm there. I'm right there with you, hon. I'm right there with you. It's it's it's,
3: it's just, I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever watched justified. But there is a moment in Justified when this character Tim Gutterson says, "I love this shit. This shit makes me hard, and that's how I feel." (laughs) I'm like, if I were to have the required tools down there, that's what would be happening. I feel you. I feel you. Right now,
2: but yeah, yeah, no. Dominic and Brad Pitt. I think that I I I I love that they love working together and love playing. They love playing archetypal characters and inverting them in some way, and like so the cool, strong, silent type assassin is like the master negotiator in this movie. And then mm-hmm. the, 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 Western icon is just a complete creep and a complete yeah. vindictive and like lowly insecure shit bag. And I think, yeah. I think Brad Pitt, like when he sees those characters on paper and the way they materialize in these screenplays, he's like, yes, like that is exactly what I, I'm on the same wavelength as you um for that whole thing but i mean look at the, the cast this cast though pitt mcnary mendo gandolfini richard jenkins leota sam Shepard for 10 seconds like right. it rips it rips
3: yeah it's so good and it's such a like inversion like jesse james is such an inversion of what you expect from these like quote-unquote careers yes because it is very interesting to me how much jackie is like well, this is a job and I'll just like do the job, right? And also what I love is that the title of this movie, Killing Them Softly, is how Jackie thinks that he works. So he explains, (laughs) you know, that what he brings to the table is that when he takes out his victims, he kills them softly. I like to kill them softly. He doesn't at all. So again, (laughs) it's, it's like, What lies do you tell yourself to like build out your mythos, right? Like what, here, here's the better question. What lies do you tell yourself about your job to make you accept whatever ethical compromises are part of that job? Yeah. Right. So I think Jackie has convinced himself like, well, I, you know, I killed these people softly and like, they have to die, but like, I'm not an asshole about it, but he 100% (laughs) is an asshole about it. And I think again, he doesn't if... even,
2: he doesn't even like someone being a hot, messy bitch before no. they kill someone. He's no. like, no, nah, he's like I can't disgusted, handle disgusted
3: it. by it. Right. He's disgusted by it. So <laughs> I think it's also very, you know, and this is not like super obvious, but I think it's also a commentary on like, what compromises do you have to make as an employee mm-hmm. to do the job? Like, what do you have to convince what? yourself that you're doing to do the job?
2: rocks it's what do you say when you're at a bar when someone asks you what your job is
3: oh god yeah that's exactly what that,
2: that is that is that shit because in this yeah. little community it's what it is and what starts out you're like oh, i work here i do this and right. um and then it's like fuck what am i gonna say
3: right yeah what am i gonna when, say how do i how do i spend this am i am i a writer am i yeah uh, critic like what am i and part of that is because i think some of us like underestimate what people will think that is yeah and I also think some of that is just like the constant editing you do in your head about yourself and like what your self-reflection is and
2: who your audience is
3: and who your audience
2: i, is. I love yeah. i love going I've recently gone to like a close friend's 40th. And i go and see a whole bunch of people that knew me as the like six year younger brother to like my sister. It was like my sister's friends so that like i was always like the little teenage dirtbag sort of thing and then like asked me what i was do- you know what i'm doing and i would just say oh yeah i work in comms like i don't say pod i don't say podcast i don't say writer. Yeah. like it's just the shorthand is comms and then recently when i've been studying it's like i'd say oh, i'm back at study um uh, I, I just say I'm a man of leisure is what, I is,
1: is, is, is
2: what I've enjoyed to say to some of my friends to get that reaction, right? But like you watch people design, like they've been programmed to brand what they do to tell it's like the lie agreed upon, right? That great Deadwood line. It's like the lie agreed upon. What is the lie that yeah. you're spinning about what you're doing? And this movie yeah. just has it in spades. Even the assassin goes, yeah, I kill him softly and then in glorious Ultra slow frame rate. We watch him not fucking kill anyone softly. It is loud. Massacre.
3: It is loud.
2: It's ugly. And it's a signature. It's this is what I do. And it's bang. And so if that's softly. Okay.
1: Okay.
3: Right. Yeah. But I love, you know, and I think when he's in that. Well, here, let me ask you a question. Do you think that Scoot's character thinks he's going to make it out alive?
2: Yeah. I think he. I I feel like, I feel, I feel what's the most impact that Dominic wants us to have. And it's to feel like Scoot actually thinks he's paying his dues and making amends. And is kind of going to get the second chance that Marky got right. Because he's been told the lie of what we, what he hasn't fully understood and contextualized when Squirrel does this plan for him and Russell is that like Marky's probably had two decades working for these guys, running these games, building this loyalty. He makes this one, he makes this one play, he gets out on top, he breaks, they just let him get away with it. But this guy feels like, oh, in this world, if you make amends for the thing, they'll maybe set you free or let you go with your one thing that you got away with. Um, So I've always watched it and I I could totally be wrong, but I always watch it thinking, what is the thing that's going to set me up for the most hope and what's the thing that's going to hit the hardest to disappoint me. So I always feel like Scoot genuinely feels like he's going to get out of it. And the whole time we, as the audience know, cause we've seen Jackie working to this point that there is no way he's out. Like he's dead. We already know dead. like yes. we've known for the whole time that they're going to die. People are going to die. And as yeah. quaint as Richard Jenkins is about, oh, do they all have to die? And Jackie's like, yeah, this is how they it do. works. Everyone yeah, has to die. That
3: works. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's true. I. I remember being shocked at it at first but the reality is you're right like we can't have any expectation that anybody would make it out alive and the other thing too that's really interesting is that's not the end of the movie right (laughs) like I think if this were I think if this were a typical gangster movie then it would end with Jackie eliminating all the threats and that's the end of the story. But we don't get that. We get this very great final act, which might be, well, okay, that might be I, That might be exaggerating. I was gonna say it's like Brad Pitt's best. I don't think it's his best because I think he's always great. But I think that his speech in that bar is the most visceral he's been. And I think the most angry we've ever seen him be in film which is interesting because like he's played like crazed characters like 12 monkeys and he's played characters who we now know are sort of sociopathic like in once upon a time in Hollywood (laughs) um but I think that this is his most like tapped in to a certain kind of resentment and like simmering anger that is the entire point of this movie So I just, I love everything to the buildup of this. I love him walking through the fireworks to get to the bar. Like you said, he is a very good on-screen smoker, looks great with (laughs) a cigarette. And then he walks into this bar in which Obama's acceptance is being celebrated. And that serves as the background to this conversation with the Richard Jenkins character, who's never named. He's only referred to as the driver he is a middleman who has no identity outside of his connection to the mom underpays him for the work that he's done so i you know i don't even know if i i don't even know if i remember what my reaction to this was outside of like thrilled delight (laughs) (laughs) by how it played out but like what is your read on this final scene like is it your favorite Oh, the movie? Okay. I think it's It's, everybody's favorite, right?
2: It's my favorite because of this. I have seen this shit happen myself. I've seen people hide behind an excuse. And I've been the person who's on the one end that says, oh, no, we can't do this. And then for better or worse, I've been in a more Jackie kind of role going, that's not an answer.
1: Mm-hmm. that's
2: not an answer. So we're going to go, you're not the person like in a lot of corporate settings. It's like, okay, cool. You're the middleman who gave you that order. All right, well, let's talk to them. I'll wait. And then you get that person. You're like, okay, well, who gave you that order? Let's go to them and we go, well, let's just keep playing this game. We're going to keep playing the game. So if you become a cantankerous asshole, like I have been in some occasions in my life, that's how you play it. And so that's what I loved about this scene because it's like, no, You asked me to do a thing, I did the thing you're, you're applying. And this is, this goes to the corporatization of life. You know, I, I've, you know, my previous job, I was in for 14 years in a huge corporate in Australia. And now that I'm like venturing back out into study into the university landscape, I see the corporatization of the university landscape in the schooling landscape, I see the corporatization of education. I see the corporatization of language. And those sort of forums and, you know, for 14 years, I'm like Jackie saying, I kill him softly, but I know there's integrity compromises. We all have those things when you're in those shitty jobs. And I just watch him in that scene and go, fuck you, no, pay me. And it's like, yeah, you can't, the, the, the corporatization of all these things in organized crime and that language, they feel like it's softening. There's this softening blow and you're like the, Reality sometimes breaks through and I love when reality breaks through. I love reality breaking. No, you're not going to talk me out of this. You're not going to corporate bandage it. And I feel like that's what corporates do. Like they will shoot, they are killing you softly. Like that corporate language and corporatization of everything is the thing that's killing you softly. And it's like, no. No, I just did a thing for you that needs cash on the fucking table because also the consequence, and this is what I, is sort of implicit in Jackie's manner is like, I'll just kill someone. How about that? How about I go really freelance here and I'll just kill you and then I'll find who your bosses are and I'll kill them.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And and I I love, I love that threat.
2: I love the implied nature of this entire exchange. And I agree, genuinely deliberate ferocious brad pitt a rare thing
1: Mm -hmm.
3: and
2: he's super controlled yeah Yeah. don't it's all in the eyes don't make me laugh
3: all in the eyes and i think and i think this is what you know critics at the time did not like yeah is that this speech then becomes this attack on america and for a film that has so so what i was always confused about with that criticism is that as we discussed like the background of practically every scene is a commentary on America. Yeah. Because you have all of these snippets of like how the government was going to address the recession and what the bailouts were. And so we already have this setup of America bails out the people who are already in power. Yeah. It doesn't bail out the everyman. And so I love that that is mirrored here, right? Because now the money is flowing again like people are dead or arrested so the games are open the money is flowing things are back to normal and in that environment they are daring to underpay jackie for the work that he's done and so it's interesting to me to then criticize what becomes this larger commentary about how american capitalism works because like i thought the film was doing that all along <laughs> yeah
2: it's like where what have you been watching for the previous 90 right. minutes of this movie if not right. to be like oh it's a surprise no this is yeah. the this is the thesis this of the, the whole movie, movie. <laughs> the,
0: the th- movie <laughs> the
2: thesis of the movie has been there and it's like if jackie is not the patron saint of all freelancers out there um i don't know yeah. who it is i'm like if yeah. anyone was going to receive it well it's every freelance critic in the world because i don't know how many memes i have to see of like this is me chasing up for something i wrote a year ago and like then negotiating to get underpaid and some people you're like man i wish that person had jackie's gun and that negotiation mm-hmm. instead of an email because it's like yeah you said you were going to pay me so pay me that's what it hey, is Pay, pay me. yeah
3: yeah Yeah. no i i love it very much and i also think again this idea of america is just a business has resonated in so many post-recession films yeah and one of the pieces i wrote about killing them softly i wrote about how it's like part of its broader tapestry of these kind of movies and obviously like we talked about well we briefly mentioned in passion in passing hell or high water which Mm. obviously this speaks to I think it speaks to uh, Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You. And I think it's like, yeah, like a lot of these movies that sort of critique, like what have we accepted about this economic system and how does our individual powerlessness keep that system in place, right? And like rarely do you have a character like Jackie who has the, ability and the skill to sort of push back against somebody trying to fuck him over far more recognizable to us is getting fucked over. Yeah. So, you know, so I love that this is almost a little bit of like a Scorsese moment in like a, no, like you need to respect what I did. This is
2: pay the piper. This is just finally, but, but uh, what I think is so comforting rocks when we watch it now We hear all this language of like, oh, I'm really, unfortunately at this stage, unfortunately, yeah. And you're like, unfortunately, unfortunately, well, you don't that, that, that language is not in my lexicon. You don't need to talk to me like that anymore. That's over. Um, and so, and Richard Jenkins is just so wonderful, wonderfully. I don't know if it's intentional or whatever he's doing, but it's like this whole, like, I'm a kind of a bit, a bit, I'm a bit, a bit naive about this whole thing. And I'm I, so
3: offended. Yeah, yeah. He does offended so well. It's like, who do you yeah. think you're working for? Yeah,
2: exactly. But that's the whole, yeah. that's the trick. That's the great thing is yeah. like that Jackie just sees straight through is like, Oh, you know who you're working for? Like, yeah. go tell them that this is how it's done and tell them to come yeah. back to me. And, um, yeah, I think this is a brilliant movie. I, I think, you know, um, out, uh, a uh, friend, friend, uh, friend of the show, Jed Ayres, it's just like, I wish Dominic made more movies, but he's kind of like just resolute in making perfect movies every five to six that's years. True. So, so we're just like, yeah, that's fine. Just keep making it's that true. perfect movie every five, six yeah. years. We're happy with that. Um, yeah. but no, I, I can't, I can't love this movie more. I just love it. And, and, and just because it's so concise, it's so punchy. And yeah, I, I think it's one of those movies that instantly requires a bit of, um, and it's also, you know, I think what's crazy is we're also yearning for just this cusp time pre-streaming where these movies from kind of auteur voices with big movie stars were still getting made. And I know we sort of cast our eyes most fondly back to the mid-90s because that's kind of the zenith, but there are so many of those early, 2000, uh, early 2010s and late 2000s and things like that where these movies trickle through and they come out and you're like, oh great, how did this happen? And um and i feel like you look back at something like this and you're like yeah i want movies like this but also that look like a movie not just like a television show this looks like a fucking movie this is a movie and i think that this would be i don't you know i'm happy to watch it on netflix but it doesn't look like a netflix production for the most part right like you know the odd netflix ones are like roma and the irishman and they don't look like netflix productions they look like Boro movies or Scorsese movies and this movie is just its own beautiful thing. And yeah, just again, a a wonderful choice, a wonderful choice for these guys to make together. Again, it was a nice one, two punch Jesse James in this movie, back to back for those two guys. It was so great.
3: I mean, I think you and I are always down for like critiquing mythos and that time period when the Dominic was critiquing, like, so what the hell is America and what do we tell ourselves about that myth? Like, I loved that. And I'll watch Blonde. Like, I'm not not going to watch Blonde. <laughs> yeah, but well, there's there's part of me that is curious about, like, what Dominic will now say about, like, Marilyn Monroe, yeah. who is another, such a, like, prototypical American figure. So there's part of me that's like, how does this movie fit in with, like, his ethos? And then another part of me that's like, oh, okay, well, actually, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Because Monroe feels like another character who we have a certain idea of who she was and the reality of that is probably very different and I got very excited for it um I've been re-watching Mad Men and there's the episode where Marilyn Monroe dies and like the entire office is like mourning her death and I think that's another thing that I have just been thinking about in terms of like as a nation who do we collectively grieve and then what does that grief say? about what we saw ourselves in that person so i wasn't excited and now i feel like i'm getting more excited so come I, back to us andrew uh, dominic uh, uh,
2: come uh, back he also got that episode five talk about like recasting your eyes on a figure he got the manson episode of season two of mine hunter
3: oh i and, forgot about that oh and, yeah
2: and talk that is like it is such a calculated glorious inversion of what those two guys expect that exchange will be and tench walks out of there with like in a moral crisis because he's like he can't figure it out and it's like what's so magnificent about it is all the ways that manson plagues that idea of like no we are what you did to us and it's like shit this guy actually makes sense like that's the crazy thing about that scene and also like the truest one like the great you know um Uh, the great Australian psycho like Chopper is such still a document about this country it's like cool we're totally cool with a guy who like never let the truth get in the way of a good yarn like killing people and whatever and just can spin a yarn and like we turn him into a folk hero it's just like this guy was a lunatic what is wrong with us and that movie and I, I still don't think people have gotten over it it was 20 years ago so Rock's I love talking to you about all films and any films, but especially films like this. There's just no one I love talking to more. You're the best. Oh, Thank you so much thanks, for doing Fran. this.
3: Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I will always talk about this movie to whomever will listen. It'll be like 20 <laughs> years down the line. I'll still be like, remember, get like that
2: softly. <laughs> uh, at, at least in my, my retirement, I'm just, I'm sure I'm going to be sitting on a porch somewhere just going, listen, the 89th minute of heat is... <laughs> A real banger <laughs>
3: Look, it's the life we chose You know <laughs> It is so This is the life, we the life we chose
0: Last year Is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wits The whirlwind is in the thorn tree It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks and measured 100 weight and 20 pounds.